Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Off Topic Hot Topic, a bonus episode of the Hunting Seasons podcast. I'm Paul Mitzi. And I'm Broderick Gordis. Sorry that we're hot as fuck and we want to tear each other apart like a roast chicken. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, That's whatever you were talking about for you. In case you don't know, Off Topic Hot Topic is where we talk about the headlines of the TV and entertainment world and discuss the stuff we've been watching, reading, playing, and generally consuming. You should also know that we love getting topic suggestions from our listeners. So if you'd like to contribute a question, topic, or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast. Paul, how have you been? What's been going on? Yeah, really good. Uh, just been uh, guesting on various podcasts that you may know. Oh, really? Any others that I should know about? Yeah, yeah one called Hunting Seasons. Oh, right. That's a good <laughs> podcast, that's one. Well, luckily on Hunting Seasons this week, we are joined by a very special guest, Damask Leary. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you? <laughs> Thank you so much. Look, guys, um, I'm honestly so excited to be here. I've been listening <laughs> to you guys for ages. Um, my personal favorite is the one you did um, on White Lotus, I think it was. Um, Actually, that was a pretty good, pretty good episode. <laughs> it was, it was. No, it, it's nice to be here. Um, I'm sorry I missed last week. <laughs> You can wrestle the co-host role back from Paul at this stage. I'll let you guys duke it out. I don't know. He's doing pretty well. I kind of like sitting back. <laughs> just You can just be the guest every week. Be mm-hmm. just like the fill-in third chair. That sounds great, actually. <laughs> uh, should we get into some headlines? Mm-hmm. I've got a bunch. It's been about two months since uh, since we last did Off Topic Hot Topic. Right. Um, I can't wait to hear two-month-old news. It's yeah, be basically. <laughs> Uh, interject at any time here. I'm going to try and go through this at a pretty quick, quick pace. Uh, let's start with some major headlines. Sherlock's Mrs. Hudson actress Una Stubbs has passed away at the age of 48. Uh, to quote, quote Sam Basanti's article at the AV Club, Stubbs was a fixture of British television for decades, popping up on shows like Till Death Do Us Part, In Sickness and in Health, Faulty Towers, Warzel Gummidge, which I've never heard of before, and the game That's show... such a British name, Give though. us a clue. Warzel Gummidge. Sounds like the sort of show, the name you'd make up on a show like Community, where they're talking about, like, a British Is sitcom. that Warzel Gummidge coming down the alley? Yeah, totally. Uh, in more recent years, she was on uh, The Worst Witch, uh, Marple, The Catherine Tate Show, EastEnders, Midsummer Murders, Call the Midwife. She also had a long and successful career on stage, performing in shows at the Old Vic, the National Theatre, and other long-standing British theatrical institutes. Are we particularly fam- familiar with Una Stubbs. No. Oh. She's got the same name as my grandma. Really? Una? Well, we said or Yina. Stubbs. Oh, Yina. Okay, Yina. It um, could be Una Stubbs. I may be getting that wrong. I uh, mostly knew her as Mrs. Hudson. Yeah. I'm sure if I saw her photo, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I've seen that lady in a million things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in other tragic British TV news, though, comedian Sean Locke has died after battling cancer at the age of 58. He was most recognisable as team captain on 8 out of 10 cats and 8 out of 10 cats does countdown. And for his appearances on shows like Never Mind the Buzzcocks, QI, Where I Lie to You and Big Fat Quiz of the Year. Now, we're more familiar with Sean Locke. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I yes. am. I saw oh. that on the, the tweeters. Um, very sad. 
Yeah, it's sad, particularly. It's just one of those ones at 58, just like he's obviously mm. battling with cancer for a while, but I don't know if that was public knowledge. And just one of those ones that's way too soon and was consistently entertaining and funny. And like, I didn't follow him like super closely, but every time he was on, I was like, oh, this guy's great. Every mm. single time. Yeah. That's a real shame. Uh, Bob Odenkirk collapsed on the set of Better Call Saul after a small heart attack. Piers uh, to be on the mend. I'll be back on set soon. Apparently, he tweeted on August 7th, I'm doing great. I've had my very own It's Wonderful Life week of people insisting I make the world slightly better. Wow, thank you. I love everyone right now, but let's keep expectations reasonable. Um, <laughs> I was recently listening to um, an episode of the, it's called the George Lucas Podcast. Um, there's like two kind of improv comedian guys. One plays George Lucas. The other plays what's his name Watto, the yeah. mm-hmm. the blue space, <laughs> the Jew. racist. Um, yes, yeah. that's Jewish, pretty much the Jewish character that they do on the show. <laughs> yeah. um, and mm. they had Paul F. Tompkins on, and they actually called Bob Odenkirk, and it's a really nice moment in the episode. Very funny, and and they were so happy to have his first podcast appearance um, since his collapse so also oh, this is a very recent very, it, it was oh, wow. just the other day i was listening to it yeah it was just a random phone call they made to him and it was it was quite good maybe they'll get joe rogan on next since he's had, he's had covid um some <laughs> announcements <laughs> hold on hold on before we move on yes um although bob odenkirk wasn't part of the in memoriam part i will say news today um this is for reality fans so nene leaks from the real housewives of atlanta her husband greg leaks died today from his battle with cancer. Um, so that is very, very sad. We saw his when he was first diagnosed with cancer a couple of years ago on the show, he got better, um, but unfortunately the cancer did come back and he passed away. So that is also very, very sad. That is very sad. Uh, some announcements. I'm just going to say this because I just remember this off the top of my head as well. I just saw a photo on the set of Barry season three. So that's happening, which is good. Mm, Been waiting yay. to see what's happened with that show. Have you watched Barry, Paul? I've watched the first couple of episodes, and I w- really enjoyed it, but I never got back to it. So I do want to. I do plan on finishing it off. Get mm. the fuck back to it. Get there before season three comes out. Fantastic <laughs> show. Okay, big news. Current Doctor Jodie Whittaker and showrunner Chris Chibnall are leaving Doctor Who after its upcoming series thirteen and three feature length specials in twenty twenty two. How do we feel about this news, Who fans? Well, I remember when you first told me about this and you asked me about my feelings and then apparently I totally forgot about it. Um, <laughs> I was I said to you, I was like, oh, it's a shame that Jodie didn't get an opportunity with a different showrunner because, yeah. Um, yeah, I would have liked to see what her doctor could have done um, under different circumstances because I didn't love what they were doing with the show. Yeah. Yeah, it's bittersweet news. I'm glad Chris Chibnall's moving on. I don't think he's been good for the show at all. Uh, I am very sad Jodie Whittier is moving on before she's had a chance to really get to do anything exciting with the role. Mm. It's pretty much where we're at. It sucks. But the good thing about Doctor Who is that it changes just a part of the DNA of the show. And so it is always exciting that the next thing could be great in its own way. The next Doctor could be equally exciting. And unfortunately, Jodie will just be seen as sort of a waste. Although, who knows? Maybe her third season in these features will be great. Obviously a possibility. And a new showrunner. Do we have any thoughts or ideas on who you'd like to be the 14th Doctor or even a new showrunner? No. <laughs> it's so hard. 
I've seen suggestions of like Michaela Cole, but I don't think that's really her bad bag, but I could see that her being an interesting doctor for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, She's I will. She's too all- good for that. She's too good for that? Yeah. I like, I want her to keep making her own yes. things that are just amazing. Like, yeah. I mean, if she wants to take a year off and just have a bit of fun, sure. I wouldn't begrudge her that, but... The problem with Doctor Who is you get stuck in that role for basically three to four years. And there's very little you can do around it. It is pretty consuming of your sort of whole career and space and work life. Mm. Um, So, like, my ones always be get Olivia Coleman um, to do it. But Mm -hmm. I just don't think Oscar winner Olivia Coleman is coming back to be the Doctor, unfortunately. Yeah, that's what's really hard. I, I... I'd be interested to see what other suggestions are going to be for that one for sure. Show I don't think wa- it'll be another woman, will it? It could well be. I don't see why not. I I would imagine the next logical place they'll go with it is a man of colour. Yeah. Like, I think that's probably where they'll go next. That'll be like there. Okay, if it's not a woman, it's going back to a man. We'll make it a man of colour, which would be, you know, another step of progressiveness for the show. Uh, you don't watch Doctor Who, do you, Paul? No, I don't. That's why I am completely silent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, three years after Netflix cancelled uh, American Vandal, Paramount Plus has greenlit a new series from creators Tony Yacenda and Dan Perrault. Players is the name of the show. It will be a mockumentary show, just like American Vandal, focused on a League of Legends pro gaming team. How does that sound? Fuck yes. I loved American Vandal. Um, I was very upset when Netflix decided to stop at two seasons. Um, I fucking love that show. I've rewatched season one at least a bunch of times. It's just perfect. It is um, perfect. Yeah. That's on oh. my, my list of shame. I have never watched it and I know I'll love it and I don't yeah. know yeah. why I haven't watched it. Yeah. Sometimes the pressure of that is the problem. It's like this expectation mm. that you're meant to love this thing, mm. but definitely add that to your list. It's, I'll get mm. onto it soon. Um, the only problem or the only reservation I have about this at all is just that the the material doesn't sound all that interesting on first glance. Like a mockumentary about pro gamers, even though that's something that interests me, doesn't scream, oh, that's a fantastic idea. But not necessarily does American Vandal on the page. No, it's just about graffiti of dicks. A high school It sounds like a a three-minute video. Sure, that could be funny. But the fact they make a whole season about it is so intriguing and funny and amazing. Exactly. So I... yeah, it's the same creators. I'm like, yeah, I, I will follow you guys anywhere at this point. Uh, I'm excited for whatever the next thing is. And if this is the next thing, sign me up. I'll be there day one, basically. Uh, Mike Sher is writing and executive producing a Field of Dreams TV show for Peacock. Um, I just find this one interesting because, A, Mike Sher writing it and executive producing, essentially show running something is a big deal. Um, but also... I don't know, with um, a league of their own coming out soon and stuff like this, is there mm. a baseball TV show renaissance happening at the moment? <laughs> um, all of them being remakes of existing baseball movies as well. I don't know what this current like zeitgeist is, but I thought that was interesting. Does anyone excited about that? No. Yeah, I mean, di- the fact that he's making it makes me interested. Like, I'll yes. give it a go, but it's not I've never seen IP Field of Dreams. Yeah, Have you I've guys seen it? it? A million years ago. 
a million mm. years ago. It's beloved for sure. Something about like a field and if you build it, they will come or correct, something? Correct. Correct. Okay. Yes, that's right. And it's like not a ghost con- dad. I don't know. Well, go. yeah. I just got to- like random pop culture references and that's <laughs> <Yeah>. my concept <laughs> of Field of Dreams. Not to be confused with Angels in the Outfield, which was also about sort of like- Oh, is that a different <laughs> thing? I've, I, I have well, seen the same that movie. one though. I've seen <laughs> Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, right. Also, uh, this was given a straight to series order by um, Peacock and will reimagine the mixture of family, baseball, Iowa and magic that makes the movie so <laughs> enduring and beloved. I just thought it was- does this feel with- like Paramount Plus is really clutching at straws? Like they just launched in Australia and everything on that launch slate looked like garbage. Did I say Paramount Plus? I meant Peacock. Uh, okay. Oh, maybe you did. Oh, I- then I take that back. You said There's Paramount only a- Plus for the last one? What was the last one you said? Paramount Plus for American Vandal. Oh, uh, yeah. For, for players, yeah. sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, Listen. Sorry. There is only 80 jillion streaming platforms at this stage, so, you know, how dare you get that wrong. Can you get enough Ryan Murphy? Because FX has yes, announced I new, have. Spin- <laughs> new spin-offs of his American Story franchises with uh. American Sports Story, American <laughs> Love Story, and a fourth season of American Crime Story. Uh, American <laughs> Sports Story <laughs> will chart the rise and oh fall of God. NFL super- superstar uh, Aaron Hernandez and explores the connections of the dispa- disparate strands of his identity, his family, his career, his suicide, and their legacy in sports and American culture. American Love Story will look at the whirlwind courtship and marriage of John F. Kennedy Jr. and Carolyn Bassett. What started out as a beautiful union of a young couple widely regarded as American royalty begins to fray under the stress of the relentless microscope and navel gaze of tabloid media. Uh, and oh, There's a bit more there, but I'll move on. And the fourth season American Crime Story has a working title of Studio 54 and will tell the saga of Steve Rebell and Ian Schrager, who in 1977 turned their midtown Manhattan disco into the international mecca of nightlife for the rich and famous, etc. Uh... How are you feeling about so much more Ryan Murphy? How is he going to turn sport gay is what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of men running around tapping each other's yeah. butts. It's not it's that like, hard. That's a good point. Every like monumental moment in this NFL player's life happens in the locker room in the showers. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm calling it now. <laughs> does, does any of that, do you have any interest in that? I mean, I love the 54 movie, like the director's cut that came out recently of the 90s 54 movie was actually really good. And um, in one of his latest series, Houston, he does have a few scenes in 54 um, that seem pretty well like recreated and stuff. So that out of all of these projects, I'd say that's the one I'd be most interested in. Well, American Crime Stories is the one that we've reviewed two episode yeah. two seasons of. We're going to review mm-hmm. the um, the third season as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. that probably is the one should be the most as well. Even though I'm into sports, TV shows and movies, sports story does doesn't mean anything to me. That one, and I don't mm-hmm. know, love story one seems uh, okay. Ryan, well done you. <laughs> um, FX has also renewed American Horror Stories. That's the Kind anthology. of anthology series, mm. but like American Horror Story was an anthology series already, ready, but whatever, more episodic for a second season, <laughs> and just for something different. FX has also renewed the non Ryan Murphy show, What We Do in the Shadows, for a fourth season ahead of its season three return. So that's exciting too. In renewal news, as mentioned last week uh, in our review episode, The White Lotus is returning for a second season. Yay. Damask, 
Mm. You didn't get a chance to tell us what you thought of the White Lotus mm. without spoilers. I hated it. I okay. hated it. It was shit. What a waste of my time. No, I actually Moving on then. AMC is when you No, stop. I'm joking. <laughs> I was making a lol. Um, no, I loved it. I was watching it week to week. Um, and I was, whenever it was White Lotus Day, I was very excited. Um, Jennifer Coolidge is a genius. I was so happy to get to see her get to do something amazing like that. Um, her character was so lovable and yet infuriating. You want to slap her. Um, it was just, it made you feel sick, but I couldn't look away. I, I had a great time watching it. Yeah, no, I... I the only thing about the second season is though is that I assume Jennifer Coolidge isn't coming back. Probably not, no. And she was such like an important part of my love for it. Sure. But the writing is so good and the characters are so interesting and layered. They're also terrible, but understandable, yeah. Well I'll put it this way, try not to spoil things. We know it's an anthology series. Mm-hmm. And actors have said they'd be interested in coming back in As some form or another. characters? Not necessarily different characters, but that's a good oh. idea. The idea of just doing an American horror story. Yes. Just to steal in from Ryan one Murphy hotel. Yeah, yeah. And have them recast different things. But I think yeah. even, um, what's the name? of? Uh, I don't want to give spoilers away. Certain people have already said they'd love to be, even if it's a background element, just happening mm. to be in a scene somewhere, bit of a glimpse as to where certain characters are. There's always a possibility of doing prequels with these characters, mm. you know, mm. when they've been to a different... White Lotus Resort or, or Retreat or whatever it might be. So there's options there. I wouldn't mm. discount anyone coming back, to be honest. Yeah. Cool. yeah, absolutely. And at the same time, though, honestly, just on the the premise is such... It's so simple yet so so clever in how you can make an anthology series. I'm kind of interested in new characters too. As you said, the writing's so strong. Um, mm. Definitely up for that as well. Did you oh, have... I would recommend people uh, read... Jennifer Coolidge did an interview in Vogue. Um, mm. It's available on Vogue.com. And she's just talking about the character that she plays and her relationship with Mike White. And it's just a great read. Does she mention um, her role in Cinderella's story at any point in the interview? <laughs> I mean, sure. She, I'm sure she did a lot, but they must have cut it out. Uh, that's disappointing. I know because it's one of her best performances. It's so funny. It's so good. It's you so have good. To, you have to kill your baby sometimes. You know, you just have to edit out the things you really <laughs> wish were in there. True. Yeah. Um, is there anything about the show you'd like to talk about in spoilers? If we can, if we can put a little spoiler room at the end, are you feeling pretty content? No. No, I'm, I'm I'm happy with the review you guys gave. Okay. I don't think I could add anything more. Well, was there you anything you were like, I can't believe they're saying this, I completely disagree? No, no. Oh. <laughs> so it's, um, it's like most episodes where Brod and I usually just agree with each other. It's very <laughs> obnoxious, yeah. I'm chuffed to hear we got the Damascus of approval on that one. Yay. Uh, AMC has renewed Kevin Can Fuck Himself for a second season. Uh, looking forward to reviewing that very soon. Rose Byrne's Apple TV dramedy Physical has been re- renewed for a second season, but what Apple show doesn't get a second season? <laughs> has anyone watched Physical, by the way? No. No, okay. Netflix series Sweet Tooth will return for a second season as well, which is a show I need to get to because I've heard great things about that and it looks gorgeous. Netflix also renewed Mindy Kaling teen comedy Never Have I Ever for a third season, which is fucking ridiculous because what I saw of season two was awful. I'm watching it. I'll be watching it. Can't wait. How was season two awful? It was not awful. Terrible. It was 
so bad. No, they did no, no. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Didn't they do the whole? There are two people at the same thing, and I need to not have them talk to each other thing like twice in that show in that season. And what fun it was, Broderick. Yes. <laughs> I mainlined that season in like two days. <laughs> Give me fucking more. <laughs> and then I was like, I saw that the guy that plays Paxton was the lead in this the new terrible like American Pie sequel. And then I watched that as well. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're yes. still making those. So they're not direct to DVD yeah. anymore. They're direct to streaming, are they? Yeah. The new one's called American Pie Girls Rule. And it's about, like, the girls make a pack this time. Oh. oh what a twist. I, well, yeah. I mean, if we're going to have uh, he's all that or whatever we're having now, yeah. we might as well just keep doing gender swaps on these things. Yeah. The, well, the female lead from this was also in he's all that. So it all just all comes together. There you go. Yeah. Oh, man. I just want to do a review episode of he's all that. It's oh, totally please. doesn't make sense for this show, but I would like to. <laughs> we can do it as a bonus episode. <laughs> I mean, just, just for subscribers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And Netflix also renewed Cobra Kai for a fifth season, even though season four hasn't aired yet. Anyone and watch Cobra Kai? No, but the lead of Co- Co- Cobra Kai <laughs> is the lead of He's All That. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Amazing. And he's supposed I tried to be to watch it. he's supposed to be a lo- like a loner or whatever loser guy, and then he takes his shirt off and he literally has an eight pack because obviously he does like martial arts and shit for Cobra Kai. It's like right. there is no way that guy doesn't do like his entire life is dedicated to having that eight pack. But anyway, <laughs> I do. He's a loner. That's all good to do. <laughs> uh, Out Swim, which saved Tuka and Birdie from its Netflix cancellation, has asked for a third season. So that's exciting for Tuka and Birdie. Nice. Mm-hmm. Stan Original and Aussie teen dramedy Bump has been renewed for a third season, even though season two is still in production, and will be getting a spin-off series entitled Year of. From the pre- <laughs> I was going to say entirely based on your glowing review, obviously. <laughs> entirely based on glowing review. From the press release, I want to talk about Year Of because we can just guess what Bump is going to be. Year Of is set in and around the senior years of high school, exploring the lim- liminal time between childhood and adulthood for the kids and the renegotiations with adults that it brings. Renegotiations? Okay. Of course, the school (laughs) and the teachers we've already met in Bump. So it's going to be the same school, the same boring shit characters who are in Bump. I'm about to say, you know those characters we all love? We just get more time with them, guys. Fucking hated them. (laughs) Young love and angst, humor, and tragedy rub against each other in a powerful mix Ooh, I do Ooh, like I when thi- I do like when things rub against each other. <laughs> yeah. To make a powerful mix, that's cool. Mm. Uh, by all accounts, Bump has been a massive success for Stan, and that's great. But fuck mm. me, I just do not like that show, and I have no interest <laughs> in any of that. Uh, Snowpiercer is also getting a fourth season on TNT. Ah, oh, fucking hell, that first season was shit. Okay, I, I I've only heard, that's it all. The only opinion I've heard is that it's so terrible. Yeah, I don't understand. I love the movie, but that show, I don't understand Mm. how people can watch it. Uh, We've obviously gone through a new season because um, we've seen a bunch of renewals there. There has been some cancellations. Josh Thomas's Everything's Gonna Be Okay is not getting a third season from Freeform. He said something about they decide not to do anything more and he's got other projects he's working on, etc. You actually quite liked season two from memory, didn't you, Paul? Yeah, I I thought it's a really, like, cool show that it has represent representation that no other show has in terms of like queer autistic characters and um having autistic people play the like their roles and it i thought the show had a lot going for it so it, it is sad to see it go 
Um, yeah, I was going to say, would you have wanted a third season? Do you think it there was stuff there or are you... Yeah, for sure. Like, I love the fact that it was just like a breezy show, 20-minute episodes. It just like filled that gap that not a lot of shows do nowadays. Some dates have been announced for different shows, and this first one's actually for those who missed it, but an animated special episode of Pen15 aired on Hulu on August 27th that is available on stand for those who may have missed it. Um, FX series and urban legend Why the Last Man has a premiere date of September 13. There are trailers and everything. It's, it's actually real. It's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Now it's just a question of if it's any good. But I do believe I saw Joanna Robinson saying some vaguely positive things about it, which makes me happy. She'd seen a few mm-hmm. episodes early cool. on. Um, and I believe she was talking about Why the Last Man. So I'm ready. I can't wait mm. to review it. Succession Season 3 will premiere on HBO this October. Nothing more specific than that, but it is coming back. So that's something we're looking forward to. Mm -hmm. In the same month, Larry David's Curb Your Enthusiasm will premiere its 11th season on HBO. Does anyone really... Do you guys watch that at all, Curb Your Enthusiasm? I've watched episodes here and there. Mm. I mean, yeah, what I've seen I really enjoyed, but I do find it really stressful. So it's not something I can binge and binge and binge. While we're talking about Larry David, actually, Seinfeld um, is coming to Netflix in October. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been on Hulu for a while. They bought the rights for like $500 million or something ridiculous. And so you can look forward to that coming pretty soon. <laughs> uh, if you haven't already seen Seinfeld, it was on one episode a night every night on Channel 10. Uh, Dexter New Blood, the Showtime Dexter revival and f- sort of finale redo will premiere on November 7th. That's actually happening. I would actually not mind reviewing that if that's any chance to mask. Sure. I'm going to be really confused because I think I maybe watched the first two seasons when they came out and I haven't thought about Dexter since, but sure. I get the feeling they're going to make it accessible for anybody. Like, why would you release a new season this far after the show ended and make it only for people who watched the entire six or seven series run? I think it's Paramount Plus. It has no ideas at all. They just need anything. That's true. Is that I just don't understand Plus? why they're making it. I said Showtime that time. I swear I didn't say Paramount yeah, Plus. No, it is Showtime in America. Oh, okay. But it's Paramount Plus. Uh, well, like they made uh, the original one, but right. Paramount Plus is making the reboot. Thank um, you for that correction. I, I actually drove past a bus today that had Dexter new season Paramount Plus on the side of it today. Right. So they're did really you, pumping it. Did you no, watch I never the show watched at all? It. Okay. Yeah. I... I Made it nearly all the way through. Nearly. There was four good seasons. Netflix live-action Cowboy Bebop series will arrive on November 19th. Uh, there were some images that were released of the crew, of the cast in the as the Bebop crew. Have you seen those, Damask? Yep, I have. What do you think? Looks cool. I don't know. I haven't watched the anime, so I feel pretty distant to it. But I'll watch it. I reckon Paul's seen Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I love I love Cowboy Bebop, and I thought the the images look cool. They do look cool. Yeah. I am te- petrified of this American live action remake of Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. It seems like the 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 worst idea, the least necessary thing ever. But I will be there to watch that day one as well, <laughs> yeah. just out of sheer curiosity. Uh, Amazon's Wheel of Time series, based on the Robert Jordan series of fantasy books, is set. Fantasy books is set to premiere this November. Has anyone read those books? Excited no. about that? No, Dis- but I will watch any fantasy series at this point. We need more. Thank you. Well, there's plenty of it coming. Uh, Disney Plus's Hawkeye series has also been set a vague November release date. No one's excited about that though. Netflix's <laughs> adaptation of The Witcher. 
uh, will return for season two on <sighs> December 27th. Yeah, boy, can't wait. I fucking <laughs> love that show. Oh, Jesus. Uh, like, <laughs> it has the building blocks to be something watchable. I really hope season two fixes all the problems I, I had with season one. I think they've already said no- they're going to Nothing try. to fix. It's perfect. Just keep doing what you're doing, guys. Thank you. This came up actually last week, I think, Paul. You were saying the problem you have with it is you didn't know what the fuck was going on a lot of the time. Yeah, it took uh, in the because there's like four different timelines and mm-hmm. everyone doesn't age and there's no like effort made so to differentiate the timelines. Right. So even in the last episode of the season, I still didn't know when anything was happening, and it was it's a failure of storytelling on like a fundamental level. It's not their fault you're a dum dum. <laughs> Um, I think they've addressed that they're probably not going to be running with that sort of format for season two. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? Atlanta season three will premiere sometime in the first half of 2022. And they're already moving into season four production, which they had been renewed for a while back. Amazon's Lord of the Rings series will premiere. This is a very specific release date for something so far away. September 2nd, 2022. Hmm. Great, they've nailed down a so date. exactly a year. Okay. Yeah, pretty exactly a year at the day of recording. Very good. Uh, something to look forward to. 365 days away. And they're moving production of season two to the UK after filming season one in, um, in New Zealand, which is interesting as well. Mm. Stranger Things season four is scheduled to return to Netflix in 2020, 2022. Sorry, three years after its season three premiered. Are we like, three years later, are we like waiting with bated breath for a season four or... How are you feeling about Strange Things? I'm I'm so sorry. I blanked. I was thinking about Lord of the Rings. What show are we talking about? (laughs) Stranger Things. things. Stranger Things. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I don't even remember anymore. It's been so long. It would take one trailer, I think, for me to be back into it because I've had a good time with the show for the Mm. most part. Love season one. Season two wasn't bad and season three was I really liked as well. I had fun with season three, yeah. Yeah, Season Mm. three was great. Uh, in some casting news, I like this one. Louise Guzman and Catherine Zeta-Jones have been cast to play Gomez and Morticia Adams in the Tim Burton and Netflix's upcoming Wednesday series. Louise mm. Guzman and Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> huh. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a heart, isn't it? And who's playing Wednesday again? Oh, it is it the girl from You? I knew you were going to ask me that. Jenna or- Ortega from Scream. So I'm guessing that's the Scream TV series. Ooh. I don't know. Okay, well, we all just seem confused by this news, so... Yeah, it's the girl from you, okay? Okay, good. Clarity for everybody. Big you fans out there. She's the girl from you. Uh, Kobe Smulders has been cast to play Anne Coulter in the upcoming impeachment American Crime Story, which I think has already started airing, um, Mm. after Betty Gilpin walked away from the role. So that was meant to be Betty Gilpin. It's been recast by Kobe Smolters. Gilpin said on Jimmy Kimmel Live, this is another COVID disappointment. I was supposed to play Ann Coulter in American Crime Story, the Monica Lewinsky story. Because of COVID, the schedule didn't work. The big disappointment was that I had spent a year listening to Ann Coulter audiobooks in the car to get her voice down. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love her. Yeah, I know know you do. That's why I put that news in there and that's why I had that quote (laughs) in there. Yeah, we need like a Gilpin section on every show. (laughs) (laughs) We'll replace the uh, Brian Fuller stuff. Uh, 
Chloe Burnett, who is set to play Blossom in the CW's upcoming live-action Powerpuff Girls sequel series, has walked away from the role <gasps> as it gets ready to redevelop, redevelop its pilot. You might remember they mm. did a pilot mm-hmm. and the CW decided they didn't like it <laughs> and they're going to redo it. It was, I think, too gritty. I kind of was too gritty or too happy. It was one or the other. I, um, I would say by like the, the shots that I saw, like just on-set shots... I think it might. I don't think it was gritty. That's I that was the know. way it was pitched. No, I think it was. I think the problem was that it was too cartoony. It, yeah, I think it was too like campy and stuff. I oh, was hoping campy, it was kind of be, be right. like. Yeah. I I was hoping it would kind of be like you know the Josie and the Pussycats movie, which is yeah. fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I was hoping it'd be like just campy, ridiculous, got you know a great sense of fun as the Powerpuff Girls <laughs> remake should be. Um, but I guess the CW, I don't know, wants to make it as cool as Batwoman. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As of recording, a replacement for Blossom has not been announced. Uh, The first images of Elizabeth DeBecky and Dominic West as Princess Diana and Prince Charles in The Crown Season 5 have been released. Have you guys seen these? Uh, I have. Yes. I I just have, like, I have to tell you this, and I'm sure I've mentioned it on the podcast before. Cool. Um, but the what's the oh, actual yes, you have mentioned this before. Diana Elizabeth Debicki, yeah. Yeah. So I need to mention it every time. Um, <laughs> once she saw my girlfriend in public and she said that she was very beautiful. So, you know, I just need to mention that every time this actress comes up. That's important. <laughs> um, so you've seen the images. What are your th- yes. first thoughts on those? Yeah, I'm into it. I mean, I think, go on, Paul. Oh, as in say they they look like the people they're playing. Okay, <laughs> Elizabeth Debicki looks straight on identical, and that doesn't yeah. surprise me. They cast her was like that makes perfect sense. Just got to mm-hmm. cut her legs at the knees or something like that. She's so tall. But Dominic West does look like not look not look anything like Prince Charles. Like not even close. It's all in the mannerisms, though, isn't it? Like because I suppose often like yeah, they'll do the new cast or whatever. I'm like, eh, do I see it? Kind of, but maybe not. And then you know. Usually and, the like, performance is bringing home. Josh O'Connor doesn't really look like Charles because no, I would so true, go true. there. I would so go there and I would not go anywhere near fucking Prince Charles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some up- updates to previous stories. Uh, Peacock's Gree reboot, because Gree reboots are in, of The Fresh <laughs> Prince of Bel-Air has lost its second showrunner. Chris Collins, who replaced the original showrunner Diane Houston, is leaving the project due to creative differences. Uh, per The Hollywood Reporter, sources note that Peacock is looking for a broad-skewed network-style show, while Collins wanted to deliver an edgy premium series. It's unclear what Houston's vision was for the series, which has undergone some rewrites. So this is similar to the Powerpuff Girls thing. It's like, mm. what the fuck do you want, guys? You pitch this show <laughs> off this YouTube video of the gritty Prince of Bel-Air idea Will Smith saw it and liked it They decided to make the show And now they're saying No, make it broader What the fuck? (laughs) They're going for the safe bet That's what's happening That's exactly what's happening They got scared And they're going for the safe bet uh, sorry to break the news, but Law and Order defense attorney focus spinoff is no longer going ahead. I know everyone really no, wanted that one. <laughs> Brad, don't tell me that. Broken our hearts. I know. And Loki <laughs> director Kate Heron won't be back for season two of Loki, which Aww, is I actually find shame. that quite sad because I often whoever gets to sort of uh, direct the series early on gets to set sort of the tone for the rest of it. Every other director then has to sort of try and replicate that feel. Mm. So we may not necessarily feel it that much that she's gone, but I just thought she did such a great job that that's sad to hear. 
Some big rumours. Netflix is rumoured to be developing a live-action Pokemon series with Lucifer showrunner Joe Henderson at the helm. Has anyone watched Lucifer? No. no. Either have I, but it seems quite popular. Uh, a lot of people seem to like that show. How do we feel about the idea of a Netflix... I mean, we haven't seen their Cowboy Bebop show yet, <laughs> so that will probably be really telling. But how do we feel about the idea of a live-action Pokemon series, remembering that we have had that Detective Pikachu movie came out a couple of years ago that wasn't bad? I love Detective Pikachu so much, and I when I finished it, I was just like, I want to be in this world forever. I, I It was just... It, I loved... Watching Pokemon in real life. It made me so happy. So I don't even care if it's terrible. I'll watch it. I'll watch the shit out of it. Are you a Pokemon man, Paul? You're yeah, a Pokemon man? I definitely grew up with it. I, I saw Detective <laughs> Pikachu in the in the, in the theatres with my niece and nephew, and they really enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm sure that um, they'd love to watch it. Uh, my nephew is obsessed with collecting Pokemon cards at the moment. So that's like <gasps> his entire life. And he keeps trying to tell me that all these cards are worth like millions of dollars. Millions. Yeah. <laughs> Sad to say it's probably not the case, buddy. Yeah. I've still got my Pokemon cards. I'm waiting for them to be worth millions. <laughs> um, is there an angle on Pokemon that you'd be interested in a TV series? Like, do they just do the Ash Oh, it's got to be gritty. Line? It's got to be gritty. That's all I need. Yeah. Just yeah, a Pikachu, <laughs> Pikachu needs to suck dick to survive. And- <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Just imagine Pikachu swearing. Um, <laughs> Pika piece of shit. Um, I, I, I would like them to do... Uh, I want them to do them, like, the classic trainer thing. Like, mm-hmm. You can't age it up, though, can you? You can't have adults doing Pokemon shit. It has to be kids. So it's going to have to be family-friendly. Anyway, I'm into it. Although, I still like my idea that they should do a Pokemon movie, maybe the TV show, that's like... A, a sports movie Mighty Ducks spin-off and call it mm-hmm. the Mighty Psyducks and be about like <laughs> and like a, a, a team of like a, a Pokemon trainer with six misfit loser Pokemon that turns them into the greatest Pokemon like team ever. That should be it. A, that should be a, a movie or a show. Brad, uh, I love it. You need to pitch that to someone and make it happen. Please. I've been thinking about that ever since Detective Pikachu came out. I think it'll be a fucking winner. The Mighty Side Ducks. Let's do it. Uh, spoilers for The Mandalorian Season 2. Surely we're at that stage we can start spoiling it. It's now Disney are talking about this stuff online. Yeah. Skip let's- forward if you don't want to hear it. Blah, blah, blah. Go, bro. 30 seconds into the future. YouTube er Shamook has been hired by Lucasfilm after posting fixed deep fakes of Luke Skywalker's appearance at the end of season two. I bring that up because I mentioned this guy and we talked about it. We had a big yes. debate about how that uh, was that finale was done. Mm. And I said it looked like shit. And I'd found these guys <laughs> on YouTube who were doing it like way better than what Disney made you do with their millions and billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Disney have just gone and hired the guy. I'm fascinated to see if they're just going to use him for stuff going forward, if they might do a bit of a special editions thing and go back and fix what we've seen because it's so rubbish. Mm. No one I else I think cares. you care about that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, in news, HBO apparently... Gave James Gandolfini $3 million to not do The Office. This comes via Sam Basanti at the AV Club. I'm going to read from his article. James Gandolfini has been dead for eight years, but Soprano co-stars are still pretty eager to share surprising stories about things he did or didn't do in this case to get very, very, very easy money. Back in April, 
Edie Falco revealed that she and Gandolfini both reprised the Sopranos characters for a video in 2010 that was sent to LeBron James to convince him to play for the Knicks. A video we would still very much like to see if anyone's sitting on it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and this week, uh, Michael Imperioli and Steve Sharipa claimed that HBO once gave Gandolfini $3 million to turn down an offer to replace Steve Carell on The Office. The two shared this news on an episode of their Talking Sopranos podcast via Deadline because everybody who was ever on the TV show now has a podcast about being on a TV show. This is true. And mm-hmm. they told original The Office co-creator Ricky Gervais that NBC had offered Gandolfini a chance to appear on the US version of the show for $4 million. Sher- Sharipa says Gandolfini was going to do it because he hadn't worked and it was a number of years removed when The Sopranos ended. But because HBO apparently wanted to retain the specialness of The Sopranos legacy, it paid him not to. I just thought that was fucking fascinating. That's insane. Isn't it? That's okay. Interesting. Can you, as someone who has watched all The Office, because I haven't, is there an obvious place where you think they would have, like, yeah, inserted so, Gandolfini into it? Yeah, it would have been the um, David Spader role. So when right. Michael leaves, um, I assume he would have come in then. Thinking about that idea... Can you imagine, not necessarily James Gandolfini playing the same role, can you imagine, would would that have worked, having Gandolfini in that yeah, sort I of mean, role? Did I say David Spader? James Spader? James Spader. <laughs> I was thinking of David Spade, um, who was the host of um, Love Island US and is hilarious and amazing. Anyway, that's, oh, that's a cool. totally different story. Um, James Spader. Uh, yeah, no, I could actually see him playing the same role, to be honest with you. I think he could have done it. He could have done that. And I think it would have worked, yeah. I mean, I love James Spader and what he's doing. Some people don't, but I think he kind of played a totally different character to Michael Scott. And for me, it worked, yeah. Paul, mm-hmm. you specifically requested to be on this episode of Off Topic, Hot Topic to talk about the Emmys... Uh, they will be airing on CBS on September 19th. That's coming up pretty soon. Nominees were announced back in July. Is there anything specifically you would like to talk about from that nominees list or should we just go through them one by one? Well, I think the most important nomination of the night is clearly Emily in Paris for Best Oh, oh my God. I knew you were going to say that. Paul, could have said MJ Rodriguez and you said fucking Emily in Paris. <laughs> it's... It's so insulting. And vindication. I vindication. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, the Emmys nominating that is not vindication on any level. Uh, what was it nominated for again? I'm just trying to look it up now. Best comedy. Oh um, so the nominees in that category oh, um, Blackish, mm-hmm. Cobra Kai, Emily in Paris, Hacks, Tick. Pen, Pen 15, Tick. Ted Lasso, Tick. Flight Attendant, and The Kaminsky Method. I've seen at least bits of three of those. So, Pen15, absolutely. Hacks. Mm-hmm. Yes. What was the other one you said? Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso three... should win. Yeah. I, I actually really liked Flight Attendant, but I don't know if I would have put it in this category. In, mm. a, in comedy series? I didn't know yeah. it was a comedy, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It, it would. I would more like peg it into the drama, even though it is a bit of a mix. Mm. Um, but the drama nominees, um, another one of Damascus' fave, Bridgerton, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pose, The Boys, Lovecraft Country, 
The Crown, Handmaid's Tale, Mandalorian, and This Is Us. What What's winning that category, do you reckon? Possibly, I'd say it would have to be either The Crown or Pose. Yeah, I think Pose is a real chance based mm. on the number of nominations it's getting. Also being its final season, seems yeah. likely. The Mandalorian mm-hmm. is not going to win Best Outstanding Drama Series, not for season two. No. The Boys could. It's pretty popular, and season two was considered... Pretty outstanding. I don't think the boys will win. It just no. doesn't have that like no. prestige no. kind yeah. of thing to it. Like the crown, everyone just is over the crown, which is you know understandably so because it's yeah. so gorgeously made. Um, but I would love to see Pose um, get that. I think, I think it's a real the, chance. The last season, you know, was really good. I, I don't know if you guys have caught up on there. Uh, no, two or three. no, that we still want to do two and three. Actually, after doing season one, we'll get there eventually. Yeah. Um, Lovecraft Country is fascinating that it's getting nominated. And, like, there's a bunch of um, acting awards in here as well for that show. And mm-hmm. it's fucking cancelled. Yeah. Like, HBO aren't bringing that back, but it's been Emmy nominated multiple times. It's crazy. Yeah. I My biggest upset about this drama and pretty much the entire nominations list is that mm. It's a Sin got nothing. Like, how is that even possible? I'm trying to remember. Um, I May Destroy You. Was that this year? Yeah, so that's nominated in other categories. But not Best Drama? No. Fuck off. But wasn't that last year? I'm so confused. No, because Michaela Cole Cole is a standing lead actress in a limited anthology series or movie. Maybe because it's a limited series, but you don't. You you can. mm, So I think it's nominated. It might be nominated for limited series, Best Limited Series, not Best Drama Series. Because this is the Golden Globes. No, this is Emmys. This is Emmys. Emmys. Fuck the I thought Globes. last year there was an uproar that, or was that the Golden Globes that Michaela Cole wasn't? I think it for? was Golden Globes. I think the Golden yeah, Globes okay, last yeah, year. Yeah. So yeah. Emmys is from May of 2020 to June 2021. It has to have been released in that okay. time period. I'm so glad we have an awards season specialist on us. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I had to look it up to see my snubs list and what I thought should have been nominated. So, like, mm. shows that I've kind of upset got snubbed like it's a sin is just a fucking crime yeah it didn't get mm-hmm. anything it didn't get one nomination that's fucked. um lupin super fun show nothing and really gorgeously made search party like that deserved a comedy comedy nomination for sure i i know you hate it damask have you caught up on all the seasons prod no, I, I think I we started season two when I was still living back at my old house with housemates and stuff like that. And literally the other day, we st- we've kind of been half watching Pen15, actually. So I'm sort of catching up on that. Mm-hmm. But um, Steph said to me, we need to get keep watching Search Party. It's one of those shows that's not necessarily like Pen15's been a fun sit down after work while eating dinner show. Mm-hmm. I don't think Search Party's quite that show for me. I need to be in the mm-hmm. right mood for it a little bit, but I am keen to get there. I do want to say, I don't think Search Party is bad like Emily in Paris. I think it's just not my <laughs> sense of humour and it stresses me out. Yeah. I, like, I think it's a, a really well-made show, yeah. but it's just not for me. Um, Saved by the Bell didn't get anything. which Yeah, I that think, sucks. It's, that, that is sucks. a funny show. Um, his, his Dark Materials, which is like HBO, BBC, co-production, Lin-Manuel Miranda, huge stars, <laughs> are like... Gorgeous sets, special effects, nothing. Literally, no one's talking about it though. Like it's yeah. it's a it's a non-event. Which, we, I watched the pilot and was like, I might come back, and never did because no one cares about it. 
And everyone's missing out because it's actually a really good show and this season two really amped it up. And I'd say season one's good and season two's great. So. This is the problem though. You get one chance to make a first impression, especially in this world of TV at the moment where there is so much to watch. If you can't grab people like uh, with a huge fantasy epic, like that is, I would imagine. Yeah. If you can't grab people early, you, you're fucked. Like, but, like they put all the stops for, for episode one. They got the director of Cats. <laughs> <laughs> There's your problem. Yeah. Um, Generation, which is another show I don't think many people are talking about, was phenomenal and like that got nothing. Sorry, um, hold on, hold on, wait, wait a second. I just had a thought. Wait a second. Sorry. Yeah. The director of Cats, as in Tom Hooper. Yeah, he directed. Oh, no the fucking first... wonder I didn't like the first episode. <laughs> but he's not involved in any of the rest. They got rid of him. So. But this is the, the, the again, this is your problem. You, when you, the person who does the pilot sets a certain tone that everyone else then follows and they got fucking Tom Hooper to direct them. Oh, sorry. That hit me like it was really late. It was on the rebound, but I was like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Oh my God. Sorry. Go, sorry. Go no. That blew my mind. Yeah. Right. Um, Dave uh, is another fantastic comedy that should have been nominated for best comedy and a whole bunch of other stuff. The best episode of Dave aired during this because the Emmys nominate based on episodes, not on the entire show. Mm. And the best mm. episode of Dave aired in this period. So it's a crime that it didn't get anything. And Raised by Wolves is another show that um, is like gorgeous to look at. And the only nomination it got was best opening credits. So <laughs> I didn't even know that was the category. Me either. Yeah. What That's else is true. on that list? I want to say. Yeah, but uh, say they're so, all the same. So yeah, I actually, <laughs> I actually made note of this because I know you guys have strong opinions. And the the thing is, I went to look them up, and none of them are available on YouTube, so I couldn't even see half of these. But uh, this docu series called "Between the World and Me," "Raised by Wolves," "The Queen's Gambit," which I never watched, but apparently only has end credits, not opening credits, and those are the what's yeah. And so the end credits are what's nominated. Um, the Good Lord Bird, Lovecraft Country, and WandaVision. Lovecraft Country wasn't even that memorable from memory either. They were they were different every episode, but they weren't all that. I don't think they were mm. particularly interesting. So because it's episode by episode, it, it would it have been a particular one episode. episode. Same with WandaVision. It probably was like the animated bewitched one that got nominated. That was my least favorite one. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know which one was sure. nominated, but yeah. Speaking of, though, limited, outstanding limited or anthology series, The Underground Railroad, which we mean to watch as well, Mayor mm. of East Town, The Queen's Gambit, I May Destroy You. That's where it got nominated. There we go. Yeah. Now it makes mm. sense. And WandaVision. That's mm-hmm. a good list. There's that a is lot, a good list. There's a few that could win in that Except one. Except The Queen's Gambit because that was shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, outstanding lead actor in limited or anthology series, Paul Bettany in WandaVision, Hugh Grant in The Undoing, Ewan McGregor in Holston, Lin-Manuel Miranda in Hamilton, and Leslie Omod Jr. in Hamilton. That's... That's interesting when they're nominating Hamilton actors. Sorry, mm. Brad, is it not Leslie Odom Jr.? Odom, sorry, Jr. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm reading it fast to keep it moving and I got it completely wrong. <laughs> Thank you for the correction. And the outstanding lead actress in a limited anthology series, Michaela Cole, I may destroy you. There you go. Cynthia Arrivo, genius Aretha. Okay, Elizabeth Olsen, WandaVision, Anya Taylor, Joy the Queen's Gambit, Kate Winslet, Mary of Town. That's stacked as well. That, like... You look at this and it's hard in a lot of these cases to say that anyone shouldn't be there, but there are some massive snubs for sure. Yeah. 
Um, did you hear about Don Cheadle and his nomination? So he was nominated for Best Guest Actor for the first episode of Falcon in the Winter Soldier. For the one scene in the fucking museum. Yeah. So then he came out and said, um, "I like, thanks, I guess, but I don't get it. I didn't do mm. anything. <laughs> like, no, he even gosh. said it. He's, like, I don't, he's like, I don't understand why I was nominated. There's two nominations in this that, really pissed me off like there were outright bad things that got nominated so Mm. for outstanding short form the force awakens from its nap the simpsons star wars short for disney plus got nominated and i don't know if you guys have seen that but it's fucking terrible so i watched the marvel one that came out recently and it was atrocious so i can only assume that the star wars one was just as bad yeah um yeah don't watch it and uh for outstanding <laughs> variety special, the Oscars were nominated. That travesty of the yeah, Oscar yeah, ceremony fucked. was nominated. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> fucked. Uh, <laughs> it's it'll be interesting. Oh, do you want to come back on once the Emmys are done and have a chat about though who won? Once we get to that, uh, sure, sounds good. Excellent. Anything else you wanted to go with? Oh, we did sort of bring it up, but didn't go into it. MJ Rodriguez, sorry, MJ Rodriguez for Pose, the first openly transgender woman nominated for an Emmy in a major mm-hmm. category, was groundbreaking stuff as well. So that's pretty cool and totally yeah. deserved as well. Like she, absolutely, was, uh, she's amazing in that role. She's up against some big hitters too. Uzo Abuda. Aduba, sorry, in in treatment, which I'm interested in seeing as well. Olivia mm. Coleman, Emma Corrin, uh, Journey Smollett in Lovecraft Country, and Elizabeth Moss in The Handmaid's Tale. So mm. that will be interesting. I think it's actually there's a chance she's a chance to win that one. Actually, yeah, I think mm. so. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before I ask you what you've been watching, Paul... I mm-hmm. did just remember some very exciting news. The Great is coming back for season two, November 20th. Yay! That's so extremely keen. exciting. That is so keen. T- top of the list for us to review. Mm-hmm. Love that first season. Paul, what have you been watching? All right. So I want to shout out some of the foreign offers on Netflix because I feel like a lot of people overlook the subtitled content. Mm-hmm. And I guess a lot of these shows as well have dubs. Like, I mean, I can't stand dubs, but if that's that floats your boat, you know, I hear um, some of these dubs are actually pretty solid because scum like my co-host Brendan watch watch it with dub. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so show that 
I, I and pretty much most of the male gay community are obsessed with is um, a Spanish TV show called Elite. Have you guys mm. heard of this one? I nope. think I've seen it come up. Mm-hmm. So Clearly this they is, know my interests, yeah. Yeah, this is a show set in like a, an uber-exclusive um, private school. Mm. Um, and in the first season, uh, a neighbouring poor school gets uh, burnt down similar to actually the plot of Safe by the Bell season one, funnily enough, and then the poor students have to go <laughs> to the rich school. But then one of the rich students gets murdered and then the show becomes a bit of a murder mystery. Um, but uh, this is one of the horniest TV shows ever made um, and one of the most uh, attractive casts ever assembled. It's extremely gay. Um, it's just trashy fun but not so trashy that you feel bad for watching it it actually has a bit of it has a bit to say about class and um the representation is actually really good in the show so um i really recommend if you if you love shows like gossip girl um this would be a show to check out but i would say it has a, a bit more depth than what gossip girl did but if you like mm. that general aesthetic of like, rich, is it co-ed? looking? Yeah, it's co-ed. Nice. So there's lots of sexy girls as well as sexy <laughs> boys. So All right. um, horny gay co-ed. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. let's um, do it. Highly recommend. Everyone I know who's given it a go have like binged the hell out of this show. So where'd you um, say that was? Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Cool. So all these shows I'm going to mention are Netflix. Next one is Lupin. Um, have you guys been watching Lupin? No, but I have heard people Is talk about it all the time. Is two out yet? Yes. Okay, because so, I was waiting for that, yeah. Yeah, um, so highly recommend the show. I've only got the last episode to watch because I'm watching it with friends, so I have to wait. Um, but uh, this is a really slick, cool show, um, kind of like if you like Sherlock Holmes, that kind of thing, but set in like modern-day France. Um like the cast is really good. The show looks gorgeous. All shot in location in Paris. Um, and uh, so, if you love shows like Sherlock or the Sherlock Holmes movies, definitely give Lupin a go. Um, and it's really short. There's like t- uh, eight episodes all up to that one. Another show that just finished off its uh, last season, season three, was um, How to Sell Drugs Online Fast, which is a German show. Um, Super fun. It's kind of like the social network and um, it's about a bunch of kids that decide to start dealing drugs online um, and uh, it like cascading and going out of control. Super fun, slick show, really funny, really great cast um, and short episodes, short seasons as well. So it's a really easy binge. That's I've seen that come language. up on Netflix as well. I thought it was a documentary just because mm. of like the cover art, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's a really fun teen show, so I would mm. highly recommend that one. Um, I recently forced Brendan to watch it for one of our swap episodes on on the Swapcast, and mm-hmm. it was he was really resistant, and then he watched it, and uh, he was only supposed to watch the first season, and he watched all three, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, finally, if you love like a good... Uh, trashy rom-com there's a french tv series on netflix called the hookup plan have you guys heard of this one 
No, nope. not that one. Um, so it's about um, this girl. She gets dumped by her boyfriend. So her friends decide to cheer her up. They hire a male escort to take her out on a date and like build her confidence. And then she falls in love with the escort. So classic. Yeah. Um, just like another breezy short episode, short seasons. If you need a like your rom com fix, a lot of fun. So. I, I mention all these shows because, like, you know, they're not high-minded. They're very, like, mainstream and fun shows that people are avoiding because they have subtitles. So um, another two quick mentions, sorry. Uh, the other two was on Stan, mm. and this show is hilarious. So and one good. One of the best sitcoms I've seen since Difficult People. Um, and then Stan took it off. They had it up for like a couple of weeks, then took it off. Season two just started airing in America. I'm hoping someone picks this back up in Australia because this show is phenomenal. Like if it was still on Stan, I would be like pressuring you guys every day mm. to to review this. That's um, so yeah. weird that it would go Absolutely. up for two weeks. That's so – that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I, I actually um, mess- uh, tweeted at Stan. I'm like, what the hell? And they said, yeah, our licensing um, for this show ran out. Please look for it in the future. What? Righto. So, right, well, if they don't carry season two, because I watched season one and loved it, yeah. I'm definitely just going to have to get my eye patch and par it out and just <laughs> yeah. you know, do what i got to do. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, and finally, sorry, I'll stop this, but uh, no, no, uh, keep my, going. Last show, my last show um, that I've Less really been enjoying. Less work for us to do. <laughs> that I've been, I've been, sorry, the last show that I've really been enjoying is um, Star Trek Lower Decks. Which oh, is, an is that animated, good? Yeah, it's an animated um, kind of spin-off of Star Trek, kind of chronicling the kind of people in the lower decks who do all the maintenance work and who get, kind of get caught up in all these larger things that are happening with the main crew. Um, and it's a super fun show. Like, um, kind of, I think the animation style and the vibe of it is trying for kind of like a Rick and Morty thing, but it's not so conceptual. It's more just like a fun sitcom that happens to be set in the Star Trek universe. And it is canonical to Star Trek. So nothing Mm. that happens like uh, contradicts anything in the main timelines. So Um, is that because are you a big Trekker? Like are are you a Star Trek fan? I used to watch um, Voyager back in the day, but not like religiously. Um, mm-hmm. But I've really been enjoying Discovery and I've watched all the movies and yeah, now this show as well. It's. I think I saw there's another animated Star Trek show on the way called Prodigy or Prodigies as well, which is going to include a young Janeway and a bunch mm-hmm. of like alien Ooh. type characters as well. Um, but I think that looks like a much more serious, mm-hmm. less of like a as you said, Rick and Morty style comedy sort of thing, yeah. which will be interesting too. Okay, that's cool. I'm glad that's good. I, I like the concept of Lower Decks, but I mm. never gave it a go. Yeah, I've yeah. heard of it because I think someone I like is a voice on it. I'm thinking it's someone like Paul F. Tompkins or someone like uh, that. Paul Shear is on it. Paul uh, Shear, that's who it would have be been. Up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely give it a go. It's It's fun and, again, like half an hour episodes, so super breezy. Nice. Um, very quickly before you get to your next bit, Paul, mm-hmm. just something I thought about when you were saying how the other two just disappeared off Stan. Mm-hmm. You know how we're having trouble getting Harley Quinn season two here in Australia? Yeah. Season one is now gone from Amazon. There's just no Harley Quinn available at all right now. That's the problem. Like I was 
uh, watching Always Sunny in Philadelphia on Amazon, and then I got through like a few seasons, and then they removed the whole show. So, is it? Wait, oh right, isn't hasn't Always Sunny shown up again somewhere? No, it's nowhere. You can't. You can only buy it now. Really far yeah. out. I I wonder because Harley Quinn season three is going to be HBO Max, I think. Mm-hmm. So I wonder once season three comes, whether we'll get mm. season one and season two on like binge or something like that. Or maybe Stan with some HBO Max shows going. Anyway, Paul, what was next? Uh, so I think it's time for a bit of a reality check. Reality check. Uh, so I'll get the boring one out of the way first. Uh, season two of Making the Cut. Have you guys watched this show? No. So this is like Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn's like follow-up uh. to Project Runway that they've done for Amazon. Gotcha. And the the twist with this one is like you can actually go on Amazon and buy everything on the show afterwards, um, which oh. they had one thing the whole season which I considered and I went on it was sold out. So, um, it's it's fine if you like Project One Way, give it a go. Um, but yeah, not not the greatest. Um, but the real star of um, this segment is the Too Hot to Handle franchise, which is very dear to my heart. Um, so season one was iconic and that's where uh, my opening quote came from about, um, wanting to rip each other open like roast chickens. Um, (laughs) and, uh, season two, uh, has not disappointed. Um, so the concept of this show is they put a whole bunch of hot sluts on an Island and then tell them they're not allowed to fuck each other. (laughs) Um, and, uh, season one, they broke the rules a couple of times. Season two, they they just burn through their prize money that like every time they do anything sexual, the prize money gets taken away from them. So um, they're just breaking rules left, right and center. They're just uncontrollable. Um, and it's so fun to watch. Um, I love this show. I remember Damas talked about this in a previous off topic, hot topic. And she was saying like, once one couple does something, the others are going well. If they can do it, well, we should do it. Well, if he got a hand job, I definitely need a hand job. Yeah, it's great. Um, but then Netflix graced us with a Brazilian season of this show. Oh. And can oh I tell goodness. you, the Brazilians take it to the next level. <laughs> These guys are so horny, so fired up. They're just like any little thing becomes a giant blow-up argument. Nice. They're just constantly at each other's throats and they're fucking like rabbits. There's a couple that fuck five times in one night. <laughs> they blow through so much money. <laughs> they should do they get into thing. debt? They like, should what's... do a thing, yeah, where it's negative. It's like yeah. at some point you have to start paying us back. Like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and the thing is with the Brazilian season as well, like in the American ones, they're kind of just trying to pass it off as like a social experiment, trying to better these people. And the Brazilian one does this as well, but they also are fucking with the people as much as possible. So like them, the, that couple that fucked five times in one night, they were obviously going to do that. So mm. like the show, like deliberately put them in their own suite so that could happen just to see everyone else get angry at them. Then they bring in spies that are paid to try to seduce all the other people and take more money away from them. So they, the show basically hires sex workers to go and try to have sex with all of them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This show is epic. 
Um, <laughs> highly recommend the Brazilian season of this show. Um, we had so much fun. Uh, it, it aired when um, there was a lockdown in South Australia. So we um, did like a watch party with all our friends online. And it's just so much fun. So too hot to handle. Give it a go. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just a small shout out to um, Drag Race España. So there's lots of Drag Race seasons going on at the moment. Um, the Spanish one that just finished is one of the best seasons in a long, long time, um, mm. mainly because there's a one queen, uh, Carmen Ferrala, who is stunning and is uber talented and just creates these amazing outfits like with a day's notice. It's just incredible. So I would, um, out of all the ones that are airing at the moment, there's Holland, um, uh, All Stars, five or whatever, six that we're at at the moment. The Spanish one is the one I would recommend. Mm. I noticed UK season three is starting soon. There's been some controversy around uh, the first cisgender woman who mm-hmm. is going to be a contestant as well. Any thoughts on that as people who are much more sort of in tune with the uh, drag race scene than I am? I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it at all. I, I think, think it makes I sense. think in season one of UK, there was a uh, scaredy cat who was possibly the least favorite queen that's ever been on the show. Yeah. Was uh, supposedly a straight man, though I think that might have been a little oversimplifying it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting that they're, they're branching out from what you might expect in that regard. Mm. Uh, do you have anything for reality check, Damask? I do. Yes. <laughs> nice. Um, so. Real Housewives of New York, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Real Housewives of Potomac are all airing at the moment. Um, the fact Fucking, I was so excited. Ryan Murphy show? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, except good, sure. Um, so when I knew that all of these three franchises were going to be airing at the same time, I was like, fuck Beverly Hills. Just give me New York and Potomac, like some of my favorites. New York sucks this year, guys. <clears throat> it really, really sucks. It's unfortunate. And there's been lots of debate on the, the tweeters about this. Um, and I think it, it comes down to this. It's that we have this old guard, kind of the OGs who have been on it for, I don't know, almost a decade now. And some of them, I think, might have actually been on for a decade um, one of which, her name is Ramona. She's a piece of shit. <laughs> um, you know, she's just super ignorant and racist. Um, usually we don't really see her racism because she's just hanging out with white people. That's been the case in previous seasons. Uh, but she's just ignorant and like an absolute loser buffoon. But that's part of the fun of New York. They're in this ridiculous Upper East Side world. It's, it's a bit of fun. In this season, they have introduced um, their first woman of colour into the cast. And so having to watch people like Ramona and Luann interact with people of colour is it's, – it's really stressful. Mm. It's, it's not nice and it just kind of – I can no longer look at these people as like cartoon characters and I just am like, you need to leave now. <laughs> like, and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Ebony, who's the new cast member, is like, oh, Ebony's ruining the show. 
she keeps having to talk about race. I'm like, well, she keeps having to bring it up because the other women are fucking racist. It's not her fault. Um, so I think it's time that the old guard are fired. They say goodbye. Um, I think their time is done and we get some fresh blood in. I'm happy for Ebony and um, shit, I forgot her name, Leah, stay on. They're the, the two newer guys. I'm happy for old castmates like Dorinda to come back because um, I think she's a little bit more um, c- civil, cultured, aware of other people's existences. Just not racist? Just not racist, yep. Um, but that's like only one part of what makes Ramona a piece of shit, you know? Like it's, there's a whole gamut of reasons as to why we don't need her on TV anymore. Um, she's happily spreading COVID around. Florida and the like. Um, she's a terrible... Yeah, Broad made a face at me. She's a terrible person, Broad. She's truly terrible and she needs to leave. So New York might, needs a refresh and I think now is the time to do that. I would, I would be happy if they took a season off, like took a year off, maybe got some new producers in, mix things up because New York has always been like one of my favourites. It was Atlanta and New York forever. This season was unwatchable for me. I haven't watched it past maybe the halfway point and we just had our season finale this week. Um, Die the hero or live long enough, become the shit version of Real Housewives. (laughs) That's right, exactly. The real surprise this year is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which I have, I've watched but not liked for many years. (laughs) I've watched it and been like, this, this is shit, this is boring, um, I think Lisa Rinna has been a huge part of ruining the show. But this year, it's – guys, guys, the goss is so good this year. So there's a housewife called Erica Girardi, right? And she is this, like, four-year-old woman. She looks fucking great for her age who's married to, like, this 86-year-old man. They've been married for, like, 20 years and he's this very famous, very powerful lawyer – in Beverly Hills and he does like lots of like civil lawsuits and stuff. So he like fights for the little guy. Um, and he's always being painted as this really loving, supporting, supportive husband um, who fights the good fight and also happens to be extremely wealthy and they live in a huge mansion. Anyway, just before filming started, no, just after filming started, sorry, it was revealed that Tom had been stealing the payouts that his clients got and funding his own lifestyle. So he has been indicted. He's in a huge fucking shitstorm. He is in trouble. He's most likely going to prison. Um, So that is all happening in real time on the show. And funnily enough, just before the story breaks, Erica and Tom decide to divorce after 20 years, a.k.a. Find a way to hide assets. Mm -hmm. But she's playing the victim this whole time. And there's one new housewife who's on who's like, I think Erica's full of shit. And it's so satisfying to watch. It is (laughs) one of the most exciting seasons of Real Housewives I've ever watched. I'm in love with this season. Can you tell that I'm giddy? I just watched yeah. the latest episode right before we started um, recording. It could have been a fucking new season of Serial based on how you <laughs> described that. Like, holy shit. It's so good. And like now all my Instagram feed is just like Real Housewives updates 
of this story. Sure. And I've like read like court papers and stuff on this. <laughs> like I'm fully invested in what Erica Girardi, <laughs> what did she know? What didn't she know? What is the correct timeline of everything? It's, ve- it's been very exciting. It's been very exciting. Um, so, yes, that is my reality check for this off-topic hot topic. Checking out a reality <laughs> check. <laughs> uh, did you have anything else you were bringing as well? Anything that wasn't a reality check? Um, I watched Schmigadoon on Schmigadoon. Apple TV. Have you guys watched that? No, that's the musical, yeah. It is. What a delight, may I say. What a warm hug of a show. It has Cicely Strong, who's, I just love that name. I think it's great. <laughs> and I'm going to get it wrong. Michael Keegan Keys. Is that yes. right? Yes, perfect. I nailed it. I believe Thank that's you. right. Keys and I key. feel right. That key. being, sa- that being one said, yeah. that being said, I often get these wrong. Don't listen to me. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, this show is such lighthearted fun. It's very silly. Um, I think perhaps maybe if you're in a lockdown or you're having a bad day, Schmigadoon is a really good show to put on. So the basic premise is there's a couple who exists in, one would assume, our reality. Um, have going, you know, there's, they've hit a rough patch and they somehow enter this magical town of Schmigadoon, um, which is a musical town that looks like, what's it called? The Music Man? Sure. Um, yeah, like oh, and like Hello Dolly and stuff, like all those mm-hmm. kind of like old school musicals. Um, it looks beautiful. The performances are great. It's very tongue in cheek, so it's a love letter to musicals, but also very much like these are very silly things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's in one episode, Kristen Chenoweth has a song called Tribulation. I think it's called. It's one shot, and it's. Fucking amazing. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, just type in Schmigadoon Tribulations. It's very good. It's very, very good. I had a great time watching it. I highly recommend. Just because I'm being sloppy tonight, apparently, and interrupting all the time and missing things, I meant to bring up earlier uh, in the news section, cancelled NBC musical comedy series Zoe's Extraordinary, Extraordinary Playlist mm. may be coming back for a holiday-themed sequel movie for Roku. Okay. That interesting, okay. buddy. <laughs> yeah, like, no one cares. <laughs> Moving right along. Also, very quickly, just to do a reality recheck, um, has Real Housewives had its All Stars season yet? No, but they just released um, the cast photo, which is very exciting because we haven't had a new cast photo in like, I feel like a year and a half, maybe two years because. I don't know, COVID or whatever, they can't be bothered setting up a shoot or whatever. Because every year they release a new cast photo of every franchise. So this is the right. first like new cast photo we've got. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. Do we it's know got when really that's coming? S- Pardon? Do we know when it's coming? I don't think so. It's got a really... Sh- they just released the name of it. And it's something really stupid. I can't remember, but it made <laughs> me laugh. Um, but okay. no, I'm, I'm certainly going to be watching the shit out of that. Yeah. We'll consider that reality double-checked. What's next? <laughs> Um, so Angela and I have just started watching a show called Lodge 49. It's on Amazon Prime. It started in 2018. It's only got two seasons and has been cancelled, which is sad. Um, but so I think I have six episodes in. I have never seen a show like this at all. Um, mm-hmm. It stars 
the guy, he's from Winter Soldier and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He plays like Captain America. Oh. Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. Yes, that'll do. That's playing. Yeah. yeah. The Russell. The cute Russell. The Russell. Um, yeah. He's he's the he stars in it. It's got a great cast and a cast of old actors who I probably have seen in things but don't know, but who are incredible. Um, the premise is so the Russell is this down and out kind of surfy guy. His life has fallen apart, not for you know, a lot of his own choices, some really bad stuff has happened, but he's still got a really positive attitude. He finds this ring on a beach um, that leads him to a place called the Lynx Lodge that is it's kind of... very like- Twin Peaks at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> um, it's because you liked it. <laughs> yes, it's not as confusing as Twin Peaks. Um, yeah, he finds this lodge and it's kind of like a Masonic lodge in look and some of the costuming and stuff but you know women are allowed to join and yeah anyone's allowed to join if they ask to so it's much more open than something like the the freemasons um but it is there's a lot of mystery there's a lot of fun um yeah it really is like it's really even hard to explain because it's i feel like i'm reading a book like i feel like there's so much there and I really recommend people watch it. I mean, and it's got like a slow pace, but even in that slow pace, I'm interested in every scene. So, yeah, I, I, I would recommend that to people if they've got the show, time. As a show that sounds sort of deep and complex and only got two seasons, mm. did it, for those who are about to potentially invest in it, does it have a satisfying conclusion or is it I one of those things? Where it's it like, ah, I'm okay, only six right. episodes in and I'm like, this I is see. great. And that's things like, because we watched episode one and then I was – oh, just before we started watching episode one, sorry, I obviously looked it up. Um, it's got an amazing – yeah, reviews are very positive about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that it was cancelled. I was like, I don't want to start something that's cancelled. But then Angela really wanted to watch the first episode, so we watched it. And I was – and it was really good and I was hooked. And I was like, just because something's been cancelled – like, I think it'd be a shame that that means that no one ever watches it. Oh, like, absolutely. if you made something really wonderful, but it got cancelled too early and it didn't get a satisfying end, I think it'd be a real shame if no one then would invest in it. So, at that point, You'll I was like... you that no I one think- knows what Freaks and Geeks and Firefly is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but you know, like, the if they don't become like this cult classic, yeah. then people just like, eh, no, I'm not going to watch it. But I, I think what they've done is pretty special what they've created the world they've created and i yeah i just want to see it out yeah wyatt russell don't know wyatt. how we forgot that name wyatt russell Wyatt. Anyway. Wyatt oh was he named after no he's too old i was about to say because didn't ben Kurt russell play wyatt Earp <laughs> in tombstone i don't know i think he did anyway moving on <laughs> uh what else did you have for us anything else that's it from me Cool. I have a few things that I've been watching. None of them are television shows. Um, I have. I did watch a lot of the Olympics. Did anyone watch the Olympics? No. No. Nah. 
Okay. I'm the only person who ever, who ever brings sports stuff to this, so I'll go through this quickly. Basically, I had no interest in it leading up to it. I don't think it should have happened. Japan is in a deep COVID crisis. Their citizens didn't want it to happen, but they did it anyway. I watched one women's soccer game and was hooked and didn't stop watching the entire time. And it was kind of the good vibes I need. Should they have happened? Fuck no. Am I kind of glad they did from a very personal place I needed it? It was during lockdown five in uh, Melbourne as well. It did get me through the fifth lockdown in Melbourne. So that was very helpful. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate the Olympics. Um, That was a good time. Paralympics are on currently. Anyone who's up to some good vibes as well. I've been listening to the podcast Avatar Braving the Elements. This is a new... Uh, podcast about the Avatar, Nickelodeon Avatar, The Last Admitted TV series is hosted by Janet Janet Varney and Dante Basco, <gasps> which is significant because they are the voices of Cora and Zuko from I love Janet The Legend Varney. of Korra. Absolutely. It is absolute propaganda. It is basically like <laughs> if you you'd like they, they it's funny because they're trying to be like, we don't want to give spoilers in case people are watching along. I'm like, no one's fucking watching along with this. Mm. Only people who have already seen the shows are going to be listening to this. But anyway, they'll do a review of each episode. I tend to skip those ones, but they will also do interviews with like the voice cast and stuff like mm. that or directors or the creators or writers on the show. Um, I think the la- latest one was one of the like martial arts um, uh, like in informers what's the word i'm looking for here anyway informers. someone who, yeah it's not, <laughs> it's not the right one but someone who was like the expert in the martial arts to help mm-hmm. with the animation and stuff like that advisor and advisor uh yeah what's a term you use for someone that you pay to come in and like just no doesn't matter anyway uh consultant consultant that's the word i was looking for <laughs> i do Thank like you. informer though informer <laughs> um anyway those so those can be quite good the main reason i bring it up is because, to me, the fact that this exists, it is a Nickelodeon podcast made by Nickelodeon. It is... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Say Nickelodeon again. Nickelodeon. Okay, it sounded like you said Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon, and I was oh, like, sorry. Brud. The D is silent, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's So, it's a Nickelodeon-made product with Janet Varney, and Dante Basco, they're paying these voice actors to do this. I know this has been done for The Office and all these other things as well. We were talking about the Sopranos one earlier. But the fact that it exists sort of tells me where Nickelodeon is with the Avatar stuff. We've started Avatar Studios. They're looking to make this movie and future animated shows. And I'm like, this is the first, oh, we want this show to be a thing long term. Like the first real like example of that, that we haven't forgotten about this show. We want to invest in it more. And that's the main reason I bring it up. I'm not even necessarily recommending it because I don't necessarily think it's that good, but, you know, give it a shot, especially if you're a Janet Varney fan. But the fact that it exists makes me excited that, yes, there is movement at the station, you might say. Did you guys see the uh, first, like, the images of the actors in the live-action Netflix series? I did mean to bring that up in the news Mm -hmm. as well. I didn't even put it in the end. Yeah, the casting. The problem is, of the casting, they're all pretty much unknown. So, it's hard Mm -hmm. to say, like, hear the names and go, yeah, they'll be amazing. But I do think they look the part. They do. And they seem to be the right ages. And it's great that they're actually people of Asian descent and people of colour. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah, Does that give I, me confidence in the project as a whole? Not no, really. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Black Widow, I saw. Have you guys seen Black me Widow? Too. Yes. Yeah. 
I think you may have talked about Black Widow on the last Off Topic Hot Topic Damascus. I can't remember. I think I did, but I can't remember. That's why I didn't. No, bring it couldn't it up. have been because we watched it. We watched it together. No, it couldn't have been. Must have been something else. Uh, anyway, it wasn't. Bad. It has been two months, so yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah, I, we had fun watching it over like Zoom. That was that was a good time. That was that was our makeup for not being able to see each other in real life. It was like yes. I guess we'll watch this. Yeah. Online yeah, together. Was meant, we were waiting to watch it because you were going to be over in Perth when it yes. was out. We're like, I oh, deliberately we'll wait, hadn't we'll gone to the cinemas. Yeah. And then and lockdown we ended hit. Up like, doing what we're doing now, just seeing <laughs> little squ- little squares of our faces while watching Black Widow. <laughs> it was fun though. I mean, I thought it was like a. I enjoyed the film. I really did. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think it's bad. I think the midsection of the film, the bulk of the film, the middle section was the best part. The third act was a bit of a CGI mess. It came too late. We this film should have come out during Phase Three. Kind of forgettable. Ultimately, I didn't have I a bad s- time with it. It's mid to lower tier Marvel, I think overall, though. I will say, like, I didn't have any interest in Black Widow because I was like, well, we know what happens to that character. Like, mm. why on? earth would i be invested in this story but they managed to get me there which i think was you know gonna be a hard feat but they achieved it like i was invested in the kind of family that they developed in that film yeah no i was into it i think that that is the key that they did focus a lot on other characters that weren't black widow and that's what made it 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 was essentially an origin story for her sister florence Perth's character yeah yeah was the standout and she was great. So I'm looking forward to seeing her, I'm guessing, in the Hawkeye series and some other movies. So I believe the Hawkeye series. She's the main reason to be interested in that show, I think. Yeah. Isn't Hayley Steinfeld in it? She's Stein- in it yeah. too. Mm-hmm. That's true. I love her. She I love great. Dickinson. Everyone should watch Dickinson. She was good. I mean, wasn't her first role True Grit? Yes. Yes, that, I think so, that yeah. wasn't. That ended up being not as good a film as the trailers made it out to be, but... Taylor Steinfeld was great in that. Anyway, also saw The Suicide Squad. That was really great. I colourful, watched that too. Colourful, I loved it. Yeah, funny, inventive, mm-hmm. super violent, somehow touching, mm. which doesn't surprise me because that's James Gunn can do that. He can mm-hmm. make a genuinely funny, action-packed comedy romp and still ha- have you care. That's why I love Guardians of the Galaxy as much as I do. And I, a few people have said they think that Suicide Squad's his best film. I still think, for me, it's Guardians of the Galaxy, but I had a really good, really good time with Suicide mm. Squad, and I'm, I've been meaning to watch it again, actually. Um, and most of all, I just want to give WB props for getting him into the DC universe mm-hmm. at a time when his name was not necessarily printing money because of the <laughs> bullshit controversy around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and they let him run wild, and maybe Warner Brothers is turning a corner with this DCEU stuff. And Well, I loved... Birds of Prey. I really enjoyed that. Birds of Prey was excellent too. Yes. Yeah. And now this Suicide Squad, I'm like, oh, I'm really enjoying what is coming out at the one, moment from them. One thing I didn't realize about Suicide Squad, uh, did you guys watch the um, post-credit sequence? Yes. So yes. I, I, thought, yes. I thought that was setting up a future movie, but That's that is TV setting show, up baby. a TV show. So yeah. um, I don't know how I feel about that TV show, but are you guys excited oh. for that TV show? Yes. Can you cut this out? But can you remind me what it is? I, I think it's been it's been said out there enough what this show is. I'll tell you after the podcast what the actual end credit scene was, so you understand okay. context. But they are making James Gunn, I believe, is directing and written it as well. 
a peacemaker TV show. So mm. um, John Cena, his character yeah. has a TV show coming out. And this is actually a bit of a trend that's happening with WB properties at the moment because Dune, the upcoming Dune film, has a TV show coming out that's in production at the moment as well. It's coming out next year, I think. And the Batman um, movie that's coming out next year as well also has a Gotham spin-off TV show. So they're doing this cross-media thing. Sort of again, they're trying to catch up with Marvel, I guess, who got ahead <laughs> of them on this just by only by a year, maybe. But mm. they're gonna start doing spin-off material as TV shows as well. And I'm actually pretty like a James Gunn directed and written TV show, fucking I'm there day one for that one, yeah. for sure. Yeah, because thinking about it, the Black Widow post-credit sequence was also setting up a TV show, wasn't it? Exactly. And I I imagine that will get lead into movies as well. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of good chance that the TV shows, those characters will do the same thing. Anyway. Mm, yeah. uh, Suicide Squad, real good. Way better than the original. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely worth checking out. Also watched Space Jam A New Legacy. <laughs> because- Are you punishing yourself in lockdown? What's going on? You okay? Uh, it is because, listen, the original Space Jam is no masterpiece, obviously, mm. <laughs> but I have a surprising amount of nostalgia for it. I remember- It's not surprising. I think everyone does. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. It, of, if you're of a certain age, this is actually quite, kind of a touchstone culturally. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember buying the VHS tape. It came with a silver coin of some sort. Don't ask mm-hmm. me why. Maybe it was a slammer because the Tarzos around yeah, Space Jam were huge. Yeah. So, hearing there was going to be a sequel, which is something that's been rumoured forever, the idea that it was going to be, I think Kobe Bryant was maybe suggested at one stage and the LeBron James ultimately was what happened. They'd been coming for a long time and having that nostalgia, I was just curious to see what that was going to look like because I, I know it's not a great film, but I do like the original Space Jam quite a bit. Nostalgia did not help here whatsoever. (laughs) It feels so plastic and corporate as to be basically inert. It's just a non-entity of a film, Mm -hmm. which it's it's not really bad. It's not really good. It's just a product that elicits no emotions. Could that be true of the original film? Probably, considering that we mentioned how it just was a bunch of Tarzos to us as well. It was just a corporate (laughs) product. Um, But... Maybe as an adult, it's just gonna. It didn't work on me anymore. I do wonder though if kids have responded to this or will respond to it at all. I'm not really so, seeing feeling that buzz, but I might be out of the loop. I mean, so I I watched it in a pack cinema of kids because I had my niece, niece and nephew. There was one moment that got a laugh out of the audience. The rest was complete silence. Yeah. But that being said, I have a friend who coaches kids basketball. And he says all the kids on his team, like they went and watched it multiple times because they loved it so much. Really? Mm. Yeah. So maybe it was just the audience I was with. But yeah, like the thing is with the film is that it's really just an ad for Warner Brothers as, as a corporation. Yeah. And, you know, all the references are to things like, um, Casablanca, The Matrix, Mad Max. It's all stuff that they have, like, kids do not have any attachment to Mm. it whatsoever. So all the references, all the jokes just went straight over their heads. And it was appealing to, I guess, the parents taking the kids. Sure. But then the film is too shallow to appeal to them. So it just kind of ends up appealing 
to know. I I thought it kind of just mm. was a bit of a nothing experience. I but. also think like when we think about Space Jam, the original coming out in Australia and the new one coming out in Australia, when it, the original came out in Australia, Michael Jordan wasn't just like a basketball player in America. Like he was a global phenomenon. And like we all knew who Michael Jordan was. And because of that, we all really liked basketball. Like I remember every kid in my primary school had like either a Chicago Bulls. Whoa, that was weird. My printer just turned on. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um, yeah, like everyone either loved like Chicago Bulls or Orlando Magic because of Shaq and stuff. Like we were totally into it. Yeah, so when I Space have a Magic Jam, cap, yeah. Yeah, when Space Jam came out, it was like, oh, I, I actually know who Michael Jordan is. I don't know if seven-year-old Damask, if she lived now, would know who... Is it LeBron? Who's LeBron, in it? yeah. LeBron James is. I'm not sure if I would. It's a good point. I mean, LeBron James is probably... I think if you're he's a straight, huge, he's if you're huge. a straight male, you know who he is. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think so. I think that's I, I, that's an interesting point though. The problem is, I could not be further away from what the kids in the playground are talking about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's where I don't want to. I go every day like and a- speak to six year olds. Mike, what are you guys into? <laughs> I feel like I know. Um, but I just actually just something that happened. Then you were running through those like references that the movie makes, and I said Pulp Fiction because in my mind that was this movie. No, the original uh, film has a Pulp Fiction reference. So it's yeah. like that's why I also don't want to throw too much shade and compare it to the original. Like the original was so good. Like it did some of the same bullshit anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think the new one is about the references in the way that the original just happened to have references, if that makes true. sense. True, but it is also important to remember, and Movie Bob has brought this up a few times, and I thank him for reminding me, the original only happened because of some Nike ad that was about selling shoes that had Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny in it. It was not yeah. like it was just a wholly original like light bulb moment that some writer had. It was a completely corporate entity as well. Anyway. <laughs> Have they brought Tarzos back at any stage? No. I don't it's a travesty. think so. I wish they would. <laughs> that seems like a mistake. Yeah, mm. I think about now, huge waste of plastic. Please don't bring it back. We don't need that shit. They, you know what they do instead? They've got those ushy bullshit things that they sell at uh, Coles or whatever. Uh, yeah, and those. Woolies. um, I want one. No. <laughs> Why? Why can't I have an ushy? <laughs> quote of the day uh, Evangelion rebuild 3.1 and 1. Point, no sorry 3.0 and 1.0 thrice upon a time the long awaited final film in the Evangelion rebuild series that was pitched as a retelling of the original anime series about giant robots fighting alien angels from outer space that are attacking like kaiju attacking Japan and Tokyo it's insane. This film comes nine years after the previous film and 26 years after the original series began. I honestly wondered if it would ever happen. I know, Paul, you're an Evangelion fan as well. Yes, but I've only watched the first of the remake movies. So, oh. Yeah. So, when did you watch that out of interest? Um, so I watched it when it originally came out of the cinemas and now I just rewatched it. Uh, a week ago, uh, we're, uh, me and a couple of friends were going to watch all the movies, but we just scheduling, we will get to them. But, sure. Um, yeah. How, I, revisiting now, how do you remember watching 1.0? Uh, 
And how did you find watching it this time? Which I think is 1.11 technically, but anyway. I think I had the same problem which, uh, with 1.11 the first time and this time. Um, it just feels like somebody retelling the first few episodes of the show on like double speed. It's just like... Double speed this- and in 4K HD. Yeah. Like it I mean, looks that- so much better too. The animation, yeah, obviously is beautiful, but in terms of storytelling and pacing, like I just rewatched the original series sure. and yeah, it's just like seeing the same thing. I know spoilers for uh, my thoughts on what if I'm not going to be in your episode, but uh, what if I had the same problem with the first couple of episodes of that, where it's just sure. retelling a Marvel movie at like super speed. Mm-hmm. It's not that interesting to me. Gotcha. I loved 1.0 and 2.0. <laughs> like, really, really loved them. As yeah. And, like, uh, I was a big fan of the original series, but I, in a lot of ways, while I agree that it's some of it is sped up, I some ways I also thought it was just more focused. It wasn't that it was, like, cutting stuff out um, but, or rushing. But that I thought being it was- said, you have watched the original series and you know what's going on. I... I think that anyone who hasn't watched the original Evangelion series, if you put them in front of 1.0, they would come out saying, I didn't know what was going on. That I, see, that I don't know about. I, I look at it and think it's a pretty fulfilling full arc of a story in terms of where Shinji starts with Ray at the start of that film and ends by the time you get to where that film ends. It's really hard not to talk about this with spoilers. I, I would love Damas to try the, it. what happens in the show. I watched it. As a kid on SBS. So I'm happy to watch 1.11, whatever the fuck it's called, and let you know if I know what's going on. I would love you to, because I, I think it's really, really great. That being said, too, though, and this is part of it, is that while they are remakes and retellings, at least the first two movies are, then three comes in and it makes this huge diversion from the original anime. And this is where I'm just going to step right away from spoilers at all because Paul doesn't know anything about this yet. Mm-hmm. But like, and that's actually where I started to struggle with it because I had certain expectations for what the movies were going to be. And I watched that film and it was before they dubbed it. It was, it was a translation that apparently wasn't great, but I saw it at the cinemas nine years ago, whatever it was, and was like, oh, I really didn't like that. I'm now worried about the final one. Anyway, be mean to re-examine <laughs> the third film. I haven't done that. The fourth film, it's kind of two movies. The first is very quiet, charming, little film about... Stuff that I won't say now because people on the podcast haven't been uh, <laughs> up on it. But it's kind of about living through... It's kind of about trying to find hope while living through an apocalypse, essentially. And the second half of that film is a mind-bending, jargon-riddled anime action orgasm for the eyes. But it does the impossible in that it brings Evangelion... And I don't just mean the movies. I mean all of Evangelion, including the series, to a final conclusion that feels somehow very right. Somehow, like, finally right. In a Mm. way that I really appreciate how the original series ends for what it is, and there's a lot of history understanding what that was and why it happened the way it was, and it talks about, like, budget problems and, and the creator essentially going fucking crazy while he's making this show and then getting death threats because of how the show ends and having to remake the ending with a movie that is I also find fascinating its own way. Mm-hmm. But I'm, le- I'm left loving that but feeling content by the way that this series ends, which is something I never thought I'd ever feel about Evangelion. 
And that I think is kind of fascinating, kind of amazing. And the hard thing is it's hard to recommend this because <laughs> I've invested 26 years of my life into being pretty into this series. Yeah. Maybe not as, as into it as others. Um, I think it can be enjoyed on multiple levels. Again, I would love Damask even just watch 1.0, 1.11 and see what she thinks. Wait, is 1.0 and 1.11 different? They are the same film, but 1.11 is some slight tweaks. That it's sort of like the minor director's cut version of the... So, there was which the, one am I watching? Because I'm not 1. fucking 1, watching 1. 1, 1, the, Whichever one's on Amazon Prime. Okay. <laughs> okay. Evangelion, you cannot redo? Is that the first one? I think it is. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I'll point you in the direction. Send me Terrible a link. It's, so, the to- it's so confusing. It's the Kingdom Hearts style of, of titling things. It is shit. Yeah, uh, I would love your opinion though. It, but it does feel like trolling to ins- call something instead of calling it four, calling it three point oh plus one point oh, like trolling or trying to tell you what the film's about. Mm, okay, <laughs> or making it impossible for anyone to jump in. No, you can't <laughs> jump in. Oh, and you shouldn't jump in. But like, this is a hugely successful film, at least in Japan. And yeah, anyway, anyway. It's hard you to talk about. You made me excited. You made me excited by saying <laughs> I, that it was satisfying. I, I was, especially nine years after the third one and not loving the third one. In fact, being pretty like, I don't know what's happening and I'm disappointed by this film, which I might not be now if I rewatched it. I think I'd probably have a different feeling about it, but I was surprised how much I liked the ending. So just it's clarification. Incredible. Are they telling the same story over and over again or is it like a... Pro- Progression. Like, uh, no, like- they they the first, as Paul was saying, the first of these rebuild movies mm-hmm. is almost a sped up version of the first handful of episodes of the anime series. Mm-hmm. The second film is kind of as well; it adds a few new things. So it is retelling the same thing until the end of two, and then it goes off the fucking wall, and that completely changes what you expect to happen if you've watched the original series. Right. Then what uh, does three do? I'm not going to say, but it's completely different to the original series at that point. But is uh, it like? Oh, it's go so on. confused. Go so on. Is it like? <laughs> have they made something new, or is it like a remix of like old no footage it's, and it's, stuff? It's not a remix of old footage. All of it is redrawn and those sorts of things. If that makes okay. sense. Yeah. So it looks beautiful. Like it, 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 it's like a HD version. The first two movies are like HD versions of, of a, the first half of the series. Yeah. And then it goes fuck the original series and com- becomes something completely different. Okay. So it's it's a retelling to a point. Uh huh. And then. It's not like it jumps to a different story that we just didn't see in the original. Uh-huh. The story fucking changes, <laughs> if that okay. makes sense. It's okay. completely, after that is, does something completely that never happens in the original series and the whole thing is different. Okay. All right. If that Thank makes sense. Thank you for the clarification. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. Thank I you. Think that's, I think I've talked too much about it because <laughs> anyone who doesn't give a shit about this hates me right now. So, I'm going to move on to the final thing, which is the Fear Street trilogy, which Paul and I brought up briefly when we were reviewing White Lotus last week. And between um, segments, we actually had a little brief discussion about it. This is a series of three horror films vaguely based on the R.L. Stein series of scary stories. There was more for older kids than Goosebumps was. Back in the 90s? It was back when we were kids, right? Yeah. It's a very cool idea, I think, for like a Netflix um, trilogy of horror films. I think it was released one film each week for three weeks. 
overall, I thought the whole thing was pretty solid. I wouldn't say I loved it, but I had a very, very good time with it. It leans into the tropes of the different eras and horror subgenres that it sort of represents, that being the 90s, the 60s, and then sort of a period setting in the final film. Um, I think the first was my favorite, though the third, as Paul said, uh, when we were talking about this between segments, uh, had a very strong ending. I was actually taken aback by how gruesome it got. About halfway through the first film, I thought they were pulling their punches. I thought, you know, they're trying to make this something that's more accessible for teens. And then I witnessed one of the most horrifying deaths I've ever seen on screen. I was just like, shit, that's sticking with me forever. Have you seen this yet, Damask? No, Angela was watching it, watching, I think she's watched two of them. Um, I saw maybe a scene or two and it looked terrible. So I was like, no, thank you. Not for me. Um, it's got lots of lesbian shit in it. Yeah, I don't know. I also That's don't love horror. <laughs> I'm not a big horror fan. I'm just yeah. surprised they didn't release it in October. Yeah, it is weird that they. It seems like a really like Halloween type thing to do. Because that it? would be like if it was you know Halloween time and they're releasing it you know, you know the weekends leading up to Halloween. I I might have actually sat down and watched it. I think the hard part probably is around October, they're going to be competing with so many major film releases that have pushed into the back half of 2021, mm. including, I think, the next Halloween film, mm. like which is going to draw some comparisons because that is like a modern continuation of a uh, slasher film of the exact era that they're sort of like culling, mm. they, they're... they're, they're touching on um so i wonder whether that was part of the choice but that does seem like a natural thing to do is just have like a yeah Mm. release that weekly through october but apparently originally it was supposed to be a a cinema release trilogy really would they have done it the same same way yeah surely i don't think it was going to be every week but it was going to be like one a month hmm was it still to be netflix made though or do you mean before netflix picked it up uh i believe netflix bought it I actually feel like it fits with Netflix though. I don't know if this would have, I would have felt the same way about it as like if it was released with bigger gaps at the cinemas. I think, I think it was such a fun event to do it that way. I actually hope it's something Netflix does more of. Mm. Anyway, that's all I've got to say. If it, unless anyone I else got something to say. I remembered yes. something that I watched that was yes. really good. I can't believe I forgot it. Um, I watched Brand New Cherry Flavor, which was on uh, Netflix. I've watched the first three episodes. Yeah, so it's really good. Um, so it's bizarre. I think it's kind of Cronenberg meets David Lynch. Um, lots of like body horror stuff. It's about this young uh, filmmaker, director. She moves to Hollywood to pursue an opportunity uh, in the film industry. Things go awry. Um Curses are made and stuff goes crazy and it's really fun and really gross. I was worried that it was going to be like torture porny just because like when you start and you get like the ratings on Netflix and it said, you know, horror and gore. I was like, oh, please don't do that. It's not that. It is very like Cronenberg, like oh my gosh, like I don't want to see a body doing that, but I can't look away. Um, yeah, I definitely recommend. I think that that's quite a good Halloween thing to watch as well. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan. It, it, a weird show, really weird show, but amazing. 
Yeah, the the main actress is Rosa Salazar, who mm. was um, the main character in the Alita Battle Angel movie, the one with mm-hmm. the giant oh, eyes. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, and she's really cool. Even without the CGI, her eyes are gigantic. And yeah, she's mesmerizing like really, to watch. Yeah, um, and Catherine Keener's in it as well, and she's really, she's like, creepy. She's so good. She's so good in this. Mm. I've never seen a role like this before, and... There's something about her in this role. It's like, I mean, she just isn't actually sexy woman, but you shouldn't be sexually attracted to this character, but I fucking am. Mm, 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 mm. Lovely. Let's leave it there. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Off Topic Hot Topic. We'll be back next week to discuss Sex Education Season 2. Mm-hmm. Paul, you're not allowed to come to that one. You've done enough now. We're stealing the podcast back. You can go back into your little kennel for a while and we'll get you out when it's time to have you back on the show. Yeah, I'll just watch upload on repeat. Until <laughs> <you're back>. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Has, have we heard anything about season two? Or have they just decided to cancel that show because it's shit? Nah, it, it's been shot, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so. they're just struggling to edit together into something reasonable. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you, seriously, Paul, for being on the podcast for thank the last you, three Paul. weeks. It's been a great time. time. Had a good time. Good. I will see see you all next time. Bye for now. Bye. Absolutely. This is off hot. Oh, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> this is like me every time we do the soft cast. Pretty much, like I always fuck up the script every time. <laughs> Word <All right>. three. <laughs> 